As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. On the next episode of Plastic Surgery Uncensored, we are going to be talking about twins, not just any twins, the fact that there's a whole trend now of IVF-induced twins, and that means uh, double the body aftermath. That's a strong word, but it's a true word. And we have a guest on the show, so please, please listen in to Plastic Surgery Uncensored. Thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Uncensored, where we're discussing having babies, not just one, two at a time, vis-a-vis IVF and the aftermath. And we have a guest, don't we, Dr. Raban? We do. We have one, uh, one of my many, but one of my favorite patients. Uh, Anne-Marie, you there? I'm here. Awesome. And um, so <clears throat> the topic is really important. I think we always try to talk about things that are current and relevant And I think infertility uh, and uh, in vitro fertilization and twins, it can be more than twins. It can be triplets or quadruplets, but definitely twins at the minimum have created a phenomenon. And as a result of all phenomenons, there's an aftermath. And sure. so what we want to talk about is, you know, either you're a, either you're a person listening and you're contemplating having infer you're, you're, you have infertility issues and you're contemplating IVF, in which case is in vitro fertilization, in which case you're likely to have twins or more children, you need to know, okay, well, I'm having that. What do I need to know after the fact? Or you already had your set of twins or more children, and now you're sitting at home going, gosh, what do I do with my, my body as a result? Because one of the things that's a total misunderstanding is if, you have, if you're a woman mm -hmm. and you have two children back-to-back, mm -hmm. -back, but mm -hmm. in separate pregnancies, you will not have anywhere near the same abdominal or body changes or damage as you do of having one set of twins. So there's this, you know, advantageous wise, as a woman, you have a set of twins and it's two and you're two, two and done. You have yeah. two children. Let's say you want to have a family of two people. So that's great. The problem is you have two children in your body at one time, even if they're slightly smaller and the damage is significant. And Anne-Marie and I will talk about that and we'll, we'll tell you what, what it is that has occurred. And I think anyone who's had a set of twins will, will echo this. This is not unique to Anne-Marie. And so we just have to make sure we have that dialogue. So let's just dive in. And so Anne-Marie, tell me a little bit about your, to the extent that you feel comfortable about your infertility journey, why you chose this to do IVF. And then sort of once you had the, you know, you had the twins, what you were sort of, what, what was the aftermath? Absolutely. So my background is um, I chose to do IVF and to pursue that because I knew I wanted a family that had more than one child in it. 
and I was of advanced maternal age, a geriatric <laughs> pregnancy, if I were to. <laughs> I love the way you said that. That's so PC. Okay, okay. That means she was I, an older uh, mom. Now I got to ask. <laughs> nobody mater- can uh-huh. see you, Anne-Marie. So what do you define as advanced <laughs> maternal age? Well, it's not me that makes that definition. It's actually, it's a medical cutoff, and I believe it's after the age of 35. What? Um, pregnancy after that is considered a geriatric pregnancy. Isn't that crazy? So <laughs> I, uh, sad. I, I met with my uh, reproductive endocrinologist when I was 36. And at this point, I wasn't actually struggling with infertility. I actually just wanted to get it all clear. I'm ready to have my babies. And I've had a great career. And now I'm settled down. I have everything that I need to provide for the family of two or more babies that I've always dreamed of. And my doctor said, that's really cute that you think that you can just pop out babies now. And she showed me the statistics that basically show your declining um, statistical probability of having a successful pregnancy after the age of 35. And she said, going naturally, I would probably be able to conceive one baby naturally. And, uh, and then after that, would need assistance for a second child or definitely for a third child. And thinking about the eventuality of needing to do IVF, I decided to just do it while I was younger and bank the embryos so that I would have my youngest eggs and the healthiest eggs already banked and and ready to go. And uh, that was the beginning of my journey. So so, so let's stop for there for a moment. Hold on a second. So let's stop there because that unloads so many questions for people in general. This mm-hmm. is not a segment about IVF because that's not our area of expertise. But I, did, I do think it opens up a sort of an interesting conversation. It's kind of one of those things is now that we have a technology, how do we determine how to use it and do we often overuse it? So here you are. Right. Let's say you didn't have... Now, no-brainer. I've been trying to have kids. I can't. I need help. Amazing right. use of IVF, Right. Uh, my right. my family members have done that, people close to me, where they tried and tried and tried and tried, irrespective of your advanced or not advanced age, and you just couldn't. And maybe 60 years ago, you just didn't have kids or you adopted. But now we have this amazing technology, and boom, there you have kids. I'm all for it. Where I think it gets a little touchy and controversial is, here you are, normal, you haven't tried per se, You're somebody created a line in the sand and said you're old, and all of a sudden you decide... <laughs> And I understand your logic because I think the logic was very, based on the information you were given, the logic was very sound, sort of sound logic. But it almost is like you end up having a t- have to use a super tool when you didn't even need to try it yet because it was sort of presented to you in a way that, in my opinion, is a little bit biased. Well, are, are you married, Anne-Marie? I am married. And, how, and um, what did you just go home and say? We're banking eggs, baby? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually... Um, just to put a little bit more um, thought behind why, why we made this decision is looking at the statistics for being able to have to conceive more than one child. Um, I banked the eggs for what I thought was going to be future children after trying naturally and being successful. So we, I was saving the embryos just as kind of a almost an insurance plan to make sure that I wasn't limiting my ability to have natural born children because of, of age and because of biological factors that I couldn't control. And the interesting thing was um, when I be, went through this IVF procedure, I actually saw all these amazing advantages that I wasn't looking for necessarily. For example, the ability to decide what months 
you get pregnant. You literally go in and they implant that embryo. So there's this kind of crazy amount of precision and control that you have timing-wise. Um, the other thing is when you take the embryo out, you can select the gender. And also they have ways of testing where they pick off a cell on the outside of the embryo and they basically do a, a chromosome they, panel. They, they can and they tell can you test. if your child is going to go to Harvard? Not necessarily <laughs> that, but they can tell you if your child has a complete set of chromosomes and if it has any chromosomal abnormality, um, just deformities or abnormalities or mosaicism, all things that you want to avoid. And when I started looking at that and I started thinking, well, you know what, if I go naturally, I'm probably going to have to try many, many cycles going through um, eggs that are not healthy until I'm able to conceive. And then I'm not going to be able to pinpoint when I'm like going to get pregnant, which is a problem for me just in, you know, planning my life and deciding what kind of job that I'm going to do and what kind of work I'm able to do. So the, the ability to precisely control when you get pregnant was amazing. And then when we did the uh, testing to see uh, chromosomally how the babies were looking, I had a high level of abnormal embryos and only a few really perfect embryos. And all of a sudden, the idea of trying naturally after seeing what I had and also seeing that I had three normal embryos just like waiting to go, it made me want to go straight to IVF instead of even doing the natural try. Yeah, and I think, listen, at the end of the day, there's no question that like all decisions in life, no less one like this, there's going to be pros and cons. Yeah. So you go ahead exactly. and you, you get pregnant. You end up, let's let's kind of uh, talk, uh, fast forward to it. You have your babies. You, I can I can attest because I know you're super tall. You're super thin. You're have a, a, in general, what's considered a very athletic build. Yet somehow you and I end up meeting. So why don't you tell <laughs> me what happens? You end up having your children. You yeah. do your responsibility, which is, you work out hard and you lose the weight and you do what everyone assumes that you have to do. And then what happened then? Exactly. Well, um, also to just clarify, I had large twins. They were seven and a half pounds each, meaning what? that I had 15 pounds of baby inside of me. How tall are you? Um, it was, um, I'm five, seven. How much do you weigh? Before pregnancy, 121 pounds or so, give or take a pound so, here or there. So that is, for those of you who are trying to visualize it, you're super tall and super thin, right? So that you're a lean person, so caring, even though you're 5'7", you're still 120-something. So that means that you didn't have a lot of space in your abdomen. And, of course, carrying two large 7.5-pound children, which— 7.5 is enormous. Which is large because <laughs> no, normally you carry a 7.5 single child, usually carry around 5-pound exactly. pound twins. But So you had these enormous children, and what happened? Well, after it happened, um, I was expecting that, you know, I would have a semi-normal recovery because I'd had such an epic pregnancy that was healthy and normal, uh, besides being twin birth. The few days after I had a C-section, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to move. Um, that was normal. But then as I started to heal um, and started doing my physical therapy, I literally, as soon as I was allowed to start doing it, which was, I think, four weeks after giving birth, I signed up and I was in physical therapy for six to seven months wow. going regularly, twice a week. What were you trying um, to fix? And I was trying to fix the gap in my abdominal muscles. Dun, dun, dun. Incredible Always. stretching. <laughs> so the gap between your muscles, which we've had probably four segments on so far, which is diastasis recti, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. separation of the muscles, a.k.a 
abdominal weakness, a.k.a. bulging belly, a.k.a. Angry dinosaur stomach. Weak (laughs) back. Sounds like to me. Weak back. So it's very important that we stop here. So the fact that you have... Okay, so diastasis recti, which is now becoming a term being used more often because a lot of celebrities are using it and talking about it. Beyonce was one of them. Is it, is it not a new condition? Let's be, let's be clear on this. Diastasis recti, separation of my muscles, is from the, the minute the first woman, whether you believe that was uh, Eve or not, had a baby, diastasis recti existed, which is that's what happens when you have a child in your belly. The more children you have in your belly, the more diastasis you get. The larger your baby is, the more diastasis you get. So here we have a small woman with two large babies, and therefore the separation of the muscles should be sizable. So that's the whole subject matter. It's not that diastasis is new or that we should be amazed that you have it. But having twins, we're going to get into it. The consequences are that the whatever you would get with a single childbirth is is on steroids. It's even more so than you would otherwise. And so it's very important for women contemplating it, at least to be aware of it, which is I'm going to have probably, not always, but probably a lot more of the signs of pregnancy than I would if I had two individual babies. So you went to rehab, which is funny because we talk about it a lot. So what was the goal with your rehab? To make the muscles go back together? The goal with the rehab was to increase the tension on my fascia and uh, optimistically to make those muscles go back together. But as you and I both know, those muscles did not completely go back together. It definitely improved from uh, right after I'd had given birth, but uh, there was there were significant side effects. Um, cosmetically, when your muscles are separated like that, you have a poochier stomach. Um, Which yours wasn't mildly to, poochy. I mean, we're talking, No, you look like you were pregnant, was, right? Exactly. Okay, so, so here you are, you just no, gave birth and now you look pregnant. Exactly. So there was no going back to um, a new normal that felt like it was what I wanted to be. It, it didn't feel like the body that I wanted. I'd accepted it. It was an acceptable result after having 15-pound babies inside of myself. But right. I don't so, think you have to prefer what you're able to accept. So I don't think those two things go hand in hand. And I did not prefer my pregnant-looking body yeah. <laughs> over so what let I So let me help guide you in terms of uh, giving explanation to the viewers. So you end listeners. Yeah. So you end up having diastasis. You end up doing physical therapy. I can just attest to it and let you know. Physical therapy for diastasis is 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 while it's okay to do it it's not going to fix the problem all it does is strengthen the residual or re, uh, it never brings your muscles together what it does is it strengthens the surrounding muscles your obliques such that your bulge isn't as significant because your other muscles have greater tone so that's number 1 in addition to your diastasis you had what did your belly button look like well, it was stretched completely flat while I was pregnant. And so you can only imagine what that does when you kind of regain a kind of a deflated <laughs> appearance. Would you say afterwards. like a yard? It was much of... bigger. Oh. So your belly was destroyed. It... So that's the second yes. thing. Did you end up having loose skin? Definitely. Right. The loose skin um, was not necessarily like folds and folds of it hanging down. But it was just a completely different texture. Did it just looked like um, bad corduroy. Looking. No, she actually, <laughs> no, I've seen that at no, the gym. It, I've seen listen, that two yards of bad listen, corduroy. I actually, look. I actually called it um, an elephant testicle. Well, <laughs> oh well, see, that's Every, worse has, than bad corduroy. Everybody has an endearing term. So, <laughs> yeah. so basically, yeah. to, con- to to let's elephant. let's summarize this because I think this is important. The subject is yes. lots and lots and lots of women today because of. 
um, mostly because they're pursuing higher education, more professional careers, et cetera, as a result are delaying their pregnancies, which then unfortunately or fortunately they are going down the infer the, the, the IVF. IVF route, yep. which almost yep. invariably leads to twins and or more, which inevitably leads to changes in their body that is more significant than they would have anticipated, which then leads to significant diastasis, destruction of their belly buttons, umbilical hernias, and loose skin, mm -hmm. all of which is common, but more common now with twins. So when we come back from I our agree. segment, what we'd like to do is talk about, okay, now I have all this. You just scared the hell out of me. What are my <laughs> options? And then we'll talk about how you feel now with these corrective uh, procedures done. So we'll, uh, we'll take a little break and then take it away. And then we'll come back and talk about what we do to fix it. Sounds good? Sounds great. Thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Uncensored. Stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to discuss uh, how she handled her, I'm going to say it, elephant testicle skin on yes. her belly. I'm just saying it. You are listening to Plastic Surgery Uncensored with Dr. Roddy Raban on Revolver Podcast. And we're back with Plastic Surgery Uncensored and a delightful guest. She has, she has a great sense of humor for having twin children that weighed 15 pounds and completely destroyed her body. Yes. Like, like yes. blew it out. Yeah, well, Anne-Marie has a reason to be uh, in good spirits because she oh. looks like a superstar in a bathing suit currently as we speak. <laughs> so had she not, I don't know how lovely she would be, yeah. but since she looks like a supermodel on uh, Victoria's Secret model, I think it's reasonable to have that. So welcome back, honey. So... We, we left a segment talking about what it is that happened to you. So let's talk about what the, re, what the things. First, I want to just bring up a subject I always bring up over and over again. So mm -hmm. after as a result of having your twins, you have this gaping separation in your muscles, which leads to back pain, instability, inability to do sit-ups and work out. We've had many patients on here, one of which is a good dear friend of mine now. Who's her name is Renee. She, she had to wear binders and oh, couldn't even ice skate the anymore. The picture was crazy. So... The question that one this should beg is, well, why is this not a medical condition? By that, I mean, why the hell can't I get my insurance company to pay for this? If I had a little hernia, my husband has a groin hernia, and he's like out of commission, and he goes to the insurance agent, and they pay for it. Can I get my diastasis paid for? <laughs> and the answer is, no. It's not a coverable condition. It's not considered medically necessary despite the fact that the, the separation sexism <coughs> Se <coughs> <Right>. sexism <laughs> so so that's number one frustration because for a lot of people because what we're about to discuss which is what we did for you is a very expensive journey now you're blessed right. and you were able to afford it and you know but for many women there they can't and so they're kind of stuck in this this body that they didn't anticipate and they're not only just on they don't like the way it looks that's fine they can't function. It's painful. Right? So what we did for you was we did an abdominoplasty or tummy tuck, but not your garden variety. Because as we've discussed before, the key element of her tummy tuck was the repair of the damage to the muscles, a.k.a. bringing the muscles together and reconstructing her abdominal wall. So what we do is we do an abdominoplasty. So we make the incision that we've talked about super, super low. We cut out your C-section, right? Absolutely. So not when I say low, I'm talking normal C-section is like super low. 
the way your tummy tuck should be done, whether it's for diastasis or not, irrelevant, it should be so low that it cuts out your previous C-section. So that's super important. Mm -hmm. And then what we did was we fixed the thing. So we exposed her muscles, and I could see during surgery that her muscles were super far apart. Probably in her instance, the gap was probably seven centimeters, which is almost a fist. Wow. Right? And we we repaired that. And a lot of women who have severe diastasis are told that they need mesh and they need, it'll never be the same and you'll always have a bulge and all this nonsense. We, I repaired it in a double layer, so two layers over themselves to the point that her abdomen was as flat as a board and tight. She had an umbilical hernia, which is, goes hand in hand. Any woman with a very large diastasis has an umbilical hernia. There's no way you don't because the hernia comes right out of the opening between the muscles. We repaired her umbilical hernia. We created her a brand new belly button. And then that excess skin she had, which she didn't have a tremendous amount, but she definitely had some, we removed. So tell me right now, describe comparison of your previous body and your new body, both in terms of its function as well as its look. I'll start with function. Function was the main reason that I actually decided to pursue those surgeries. Um, I noticed that before the surgery, I was not able to lift anything heavy. And I was actually advised by my doctors not to lift anything heavy because that could exacerbate the hernia that I had. And anytime that I tried to lift my children after a certain age, I could feel pain in my uh, umbilical area. And it scared me and it was uncomfortable and it limited my activity and the way that I could interact with my children. So function was the number. So just think about that. You're a new mom. How old are you, honey? I am now 40. <laughs> so you're a new young mom. You're 40. You have these children and you can't pick them up. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah. So go I, ahead. I had my babies at 38. I still felt young. I definitely wanted to participate in all of the, the things that a, a new mother wants to do. You want to pick, schlep your children out in that little carrier thing and you want to pick them up and throw them in the air and um, you want to pick them up when they fall and, and comfort them. So you and felt like you couldn't do that. Without doing that. Yeah. So you yeah, felt like you couldn't do that before. To. Okay. Yep. Then afterwards. And afterwards, I have full functionality of my abs. I think my abs are even stronger now than before I had babies, which is wow. um, which is true. Is a, it a is. lot to say. Yeah. She's tighter now it. than she was even pre-pregnancy because when we do the repair. The repair is so complete and compulsive that it, you know, every, you know, even if you have no kids, you kind of have a little bit of laxity in your abdomen. We repair that. It's like a super duper repair. Ooh. That, that's so yes. you're picking your kids up like normal now. Everything. Yep. <laughs> every, I can pick up everything. I can move their bedroom furniture around. She picks up like her husband. I mean, it's crazy. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you it, can drive. It feels like, really great. You can put them in the car seat. You any other, any other, grandmas. any other functional things that you notice other than the picking up? Did you come? Did, uh, this is very common. Is did you have back pain before? I did have back pain before, and that's um, as you alluded to. All those other muscles that I was exercising in physical therapy were compensating for having my ab muscles in the incorrect position, and my back muscles were constantly being overworked. So now that I have properly positioned ab muscles, my back is able to function in the way that it was designed. And it's it's much easier to do everything, basically. So the pain that I would have in my back, that's all gone. 
Um, also, you don't know this about me, but I'm also a violinist. So before Ooh. having my babies, I've, I've been a professional touring violinist. That um, So the timing reason was related to my touring schedule. Um, so playing the violin right after I'd had babies was really, really painful, especially in my back. I had a lot of discomfort. Also, um, the ab muscles that I have now after the surgery, I think are almost a direct result from playing the violin because it takes a lot of core strength to stabilize your body when your arms are moving. If you imagine holding a bow and going back and forth and up and down in order for your whole body not to be jiggling, you're constantly stabilizing using yeah, your core. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, it's even, so basically you're saying that I made you into a better violinist. I'll, I'll take right. that. It was like the, oh, will I be able to play piano after the surgery? Yeah. You know? Oh, so those it. are all the functional <laughs> ben yeah. benefits, but and then the aesthetic benefits are obvious, right? Because now your abdomen is flat, and before Absolutely. before if you were to relax your abdomen, you would look pregnant. Although I know a lot of women have learned to engage their core and suck in their gut, but we all know that when you're in private and you're relaxing your belly, when you've had children, especially if twins, your belly looks almost three, four months pregnant. But now you, I mean, the last time I saw you, you were as flat as a board. Yeah. So the aftermath um, was terrible after having babies, but after the surgery, very quickly, um, I had results that were just, I would say, almost impossible. Like, you delivered. <laughs> the the stomach that I have now is flat. It's functional. Um, I, I bet you have a pretty belly button. I was point. just going to comment on the belly button. Because a, a nice belly, belly button is a game changer. Yeah, it's really cute. Um, I'm at an age where I usually don't choose to show my belly button, and I feel like I stopped wearing midriff-bearing things even before I had the babies, um, just out of kind of feeling age-appropriate, maybe. But now I'm like 40 and, and being like, oh, you're, I don't mind if my midriff flaunting is showing. it, baby. You're <laughs> flaunting <laughs> The flaunting <laughs> violinist. A I like belly it. Belly button renaissance. <laughs> I think I think everything you're saying is so wonderful because it does a full journey, which is, you know, you were able to have your kids. You use technology, which we have modern day. You obviously her advantage. Obviously, you ended up having the ramifications of having twins. And through further advancements, we were able to bring you full circle to maybe even better than you were before. And now you have two beautiful children. I'm going to I'm going to we're going to end the segment. But I want to know because you, you can tell by talking to you, you're a very bright young lady. So the question is, is there any piece of information that you'd like to impart specifically to IVF women, either who have had it or are anticipating that's specific, that's unique and different um, um, than regular women? Um, well, I will say in IVF, especially when you're older, they always give you an option of whether you want to implant one or two embryos. And I know every woman's circumstance is different. Um, but I do advocate for listening to your doctor and when they tell you to not put two in, there's a reason. <laughs> um, and if you decide that two is what you want to do, that there are ramifications for that, that you have to prepare for and save for, or, um, just, you have to mentally prepare that that's going to happen. Yeah, so I think, I think that's, that's very really important. important to have that education piece out. And I'm happy to share my story. Well, thank you for doing that. Um, I think the synopsis for us is IVF is amazing. And like what all other technologies or um, opportunities comes sort of it's a double -edged sword. ramifications. And as you said, you either need to save up 
or be okay with the outcome so that you know what the exchange is. And so as long as you do that, I think we've done our service, which is get the information out there. And uh, I look forward to seeing you at either your next visit or maybe your concert. Oh, like an <laughs> okay, well, we'll be in touch. It'll happen. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming and listening. I mean, uh, uh, calling in and letting us talk to you. We really, really appreciate it. All right, my pleasure. Take uh, care. And that wraps up. A, that was a, that was current, interesting, and fun. What a delightful guest. Thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Uncensored. Stay tuned. We always have new stuff. We would love to get your feedback. If you enjoyed and found our podcast helpful, tell us why. Give us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or you can go directly to revolverpodcast.com. If you have a topic you would like us to talk about, then please reach out to us on Facebook, Roddy Rabon, Instagram, at Dr. Roddy Rabon, or RoddyRabon.com. You are listening to Plastic Surgery Uncensored with Dr. Roddy Rabon on Revolver Podcast. If you want a better tomorrow, start heading for it today at Dennis Mahoney M50. We've got Toyota's full range of self-charging hybrid electric cars, including the eye-catching CHR and RAV4. With contributions of up to €3,000, join the thousands of hybrid drivers who have made Toyota Ireland's best-selling car brand in 2021. So start your electric journey. Contact us today or visit dennismahoney.ie. Toyota. Built for a better world. Terms and conditions apply. Chris Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. You know, the right in America only knows one move, fear and smear. Too many people are believing their lies. We push back on it every week on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. You need to subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Aggressive Progressive, new episode every Tuesday. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 